Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. In our last episode, I was left with my pastor asking that fateful question, Who here wants to be a disciple? And that's where my heart was just pounding away as I'm, you know, like sitting, I'm not running a marathon. And I knew that God wanted me to raise my hand, not knowing exactly what all that meant nor entailed. But I want to start with a different kind of question. And that is, how do you go from being a single mom on food stamps, going to school to finish a degree on Pell Grants, and then fast forward to someone who is now teaching at a Christian university, doing some coaching. I've pastored, I've merged churches, I've done revitalization work with, I mean, I guess I I see where one of my sons who's nudged me and says, you need to tell your story, you know, and I'm like, why? And he would say, well, because of where you were and where you ended up. And I always go, but where did I end up? But if I if I do anything throughout this process for me, because this is a process for me to look back and really reflect on all of this, I guess I God did take me somewhere, didn't he? So how do you go there? How do you get from point A to point B? And I guess, you know, sometimes I kind of feel like I muddle a lot. I do things and sometimes I just am doing it in the moment. I'm passionate about it. I just feel urged to do it and not in a selfish way. And a couple of years before I left my made the maid from Netflix, that situation, before I left that, I had an opportunity to write a story. And actually, I wrote a story about my friend Sally, and her story about training horses and how that started for her as a child, and how now it had evolved into all kinds of pets. And, you know, she would have critters in the kitchen and big boxes like little ducks. And, you know, once she did bring me um, some ducks that had hatched because I had a chicken that well, actually, she brought me the eggs and the chicken was a sitting chicken, they kind of breed that out of them now. And so this mother hen raised these ducks. Anyway, she was really big into into critters, even though her husband occasionally accused (laughs) her or them of living at the fecal farm. (laughs) So I guess it got a little messy sometimes when you have baby critters in your kitchen in boxes and, and stuff. But along the way, she had this goose his name was Bo Ringer. She always had interesting pet names. So Bo Ringer. And so I wrote a feature article for the newspaper. Well, I just wrote the feature article. And then I, uh, they contacted me, I submitted it, they contacted me, and they asked for a picture. Now, I had never done this before. So I guess there's a, a pattern there, too, that 
you know, sometimes I'm game for trying something I've never done, you know, like podcasting, you know, sometimes I'm game for that kind of thing. So I wrote the story and this feature story, which is, you know, a puff piece, I guess news people would call it. Somehow this ended up on the front page of the newspaper, the local newspaper, with the picture of my friend Sally and the goose happened to curl its head around her head at just the right moment, and I snapped the picture. It still is a pretty amazing photograph, and I'm not really that inclined somewhat, but not like serious or anything like that. So there was that goose, they referred to it as the goose story. I connected with someone at church, and her name was Lorna, and we became really, really great friends, really great friends. And Lorna and I were talking about the, the newspaper. And I said, hey, I wrote a story for the paper a while ago. And I described it to her. And I said, it ended up on the front. She said, you're the goose story writer person. And she put the two together. And the next thing I knew, she had me, it was just over the summer kind of gig, uh, join the staff of the newspaper. She brought me into the editor and Um, all of this. And so I ended up for a summer writing for a local newspaper. And that was, you know, great fun. I did enjoy that. And I really enjoyed writing a whole lot. It was something that I really hadn't considered for myself. You know, I was a math major at one point. I was 18 years old, I had an associate degree, and I was you know, loaded with calculus and, you know, the first two years of college with boatloads of big time math. So writing really wasn't on my radar at all, at all. So this kind of shifted what I was going to do with school. So I had gone back and labored through year three of a bachelor's degree in engineering, you know, making jokes about I'm going to drive the train. I didn't really know what I was going to do with that either, but I just knew I had to finish college. And that summer of writing urged me on to go in and change my major to communication arts. So I transferred from engineering to communication arts. And, you know, they said at orientation for college that, you know, a big percent number of people are going to change their major. And I thought, well, that's not me. I'm not doing that. And sure enough, I did. So, but that left me with 20 credit hours to finish in the last year. And I was pretty bent on doing it. And I had to do internships. So let's see, I wrote for another city newspaper in Flint, Michigan. I also did radio time at the local Christian station. That's where in an earlier podcast, I detail how I actually read the lottery numbers or started to before I realized where I was at. So that's that's some of my passion maybe for doing this was that exposure to radio. But I So I did 20 credit hours. I don't know how I did that, but... Oh, well. Uh, anyway, I another aspect of my life was brewing there right in that last year of college, and that was that Lorna introduced me to Craig, and so far that is the only real name I have used, and he is my husband of more than 30 years, we'll just say. And we married just after I graduated college, and even though 
I got married after I graduated from college, I made sure I had Bryce. So my bachelor degree says Margaret Bryce on it because he was, again, another very supportive person. And I know I'll be going into that in a future podcast. But as far as supportive spouses of their wives who decide they're going to answer God's call to ministry, he is above and beyond. And the only little glitch he had was the um, infamous Taco Bell meltdown. But I will get into that in, <laughs> in, in a later episode here for sure. So the first thing I did, though, was look at uh, what I needed to do when I was finishing up that degree. And another thing that I looked at was how I was surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, so to speak. You know, there was a new BFF, Lorna, there was Sally and Rob, there was my roommate, Dee, and then there was Craig. And so I was surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I know that's, you know, technically people view that as only the people who have gone before us, but I'm using that here and now. And one of the big things that that really did start to reinforce to me was that I needed help along my journey. I was becoming very aware of that, even even in a small way, that I needed help. And I'm going to say to you today that that is a really key aspect of leadership. I have always said that the first line of leadership is understanding that you need help. And there is an act of humility and an act of submission to the blessings of other people that God has put in your path. So I'm going to say that that act of humility of saying, Lord, I need help on this path is something that is critical and important. Because if I look back on my life and I erased everybody that God was putting in my path, I'm not sure where exactly I'd be. I'm really not sure. Hey there, Margie Bryce here, and I have a favor to ask you. If you have at least remotely found this podcast interesting, could you share it with a friend or two? Could you maybe think about who needs encouragement for their journey? Who needs encouragement for their leadership? Who needs to think more about self-care? and how it relates to them being the best leader that they can be, how they can offer their best selves to God. And please share this podcast with them. Thanks in advance. So how do you go from uh, point A to point B, from a single mom on food stamps Pell Grants, who kind of ambled along, you know, made the jump from engineering to communication arts, which is kind of interesting and funny that, you know, you fast forward a few, quite a few years later, and, you know, I'm looking at ministry, and gee, communication arts kind of comes in handy, sort of, don't you think? Isn't And I think that's hysterical now, looking back on it. So how do you go from point A to point B? And I had gotten to the place where life was more settled down than it had been in a long time. We were married. My older boys were adjusting 
pretty well, surprisingly well. And my first job was working in a hospital setting. And I had responded to an ad for a freelance writer at a Flint healthcare system. And I got in there, wrote several stories. I loved the feature writing. I liked writing about people and telling their stories. And so then I accepted a job that was offered to me after I wrote several stories and they decided, hey, I think we want her on our team. By the way, PR people do make more than journalists. That's just a side side comment, actually. So I started out writing, and then I ended up, by the time I departed there, I was managing publications, two internal publications, one for doctors, one for the employees, managing the production from the beginning to the end, and doing some of the writing and incorporating work from other freelancers and working with the graphic designer. So I got the whole process gig down, and I really did enjoy that. When I did depart from corporate America there, it was because there was a baby on the way, and I ended up departing to form a company on my own called Bryce Communications, and I had a school district, and I had a municipality. Both of them, I worked for them for many years. Uh, The municipality, I did a quarterly newsletter, and I did some annual report kinds of stuff for the school, so I didn't have a lot of you know, accounts, as they say, uh, when I started, but I did, because of my healthcare background, a competing healthcare system brought me on as a contract worker. And at one point, I was managing newsletters, PR pieces to at least five different communities that came out quarterly. And so I was managing all of that. And I was working at home. And this is quite a while ago, because my youngest son is now 30. So I was one of the work at home people early, early on in all of that. And at the same time, the church we attended, the pastor there always encouraged us to be all we can be in Christ. He always encouraged us. He always pushed us. He pushed us about what what were we going to do? How were we going to serve? And I was always greatly inspired by him. He was kind of a Holy Spirit second blessing kind of guy. And, and I, I was just greatly, greatly inspired by him regularly, routinely. And I didn't fit very well in the internal church ministries. For one thing, you get into a big setting like that, and it wasn't huge, but it wasn't a small, small church. I think it was in the 400s at the time. They they had most of the bases covered, you know what I mean? They weren't looking for a ton of this or that. I did some small things, but I kept looking and seeking for something. And around that time, I got wind that there was a pregnancy center opening up. A friend of mine was uh, on the board, and I was really intrigued by that. I thought, well, that that's kind of interesting. And one day I was in the car listening to some Christian radio, and they had a pro-life conversation going on, and it was kind of a bit of a heated debate back and forth. So I was interested in that for sure. But at one point, I remember in their debate back and forth, 
and they were between two Christians, one of them pressed the other and said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing to help? What are you doing to help? And it was as if that question was being asked to me. And I thought, well, yeah, what am I doing? (laughs) I don't know. So I dropped by the local pregnancy center, which had not been open, uh, not even a year, and just asked what was going on and looked around. And I ended up on the board. I don't know. It was probably because I was a local business owner, maybe. I don't know. And I, and I had that marketing marketing communications gift, and they didn't have uh, that aspect going uh, quite yet. They were a startup, which I'm always drawn to startup situations. That's another repeating thing for me. And I did end up on the board. So I was four years on the board, four years on the board, and I knew the board chair. He was a pretty strong leader, really amazing guy. And the people I served with was all amazing. And what was really cool about the pregnancy center was that you had you had the charismatic people, you had the Baptists, you had Catholics, you had, you know, and we were all working together on one, one issue. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved that time there. And we grew and uh, the center is still in operation today. But at one point, we knew that the leader was leaving. The leader was leaving. And he was trying to prepare for a transition. And he was talking one day about at a meeting about who was going to come after. And it was like one of those EF Hutton moments. And everybody turned and looked at me. They turned and they looked at me and I thought, what are you? No, what? I was, I felt like this, like I was standing on the train track and this train was bearing down on me, you know, with especially bright lights and it was very scary and my eyes were just really big and I just didn't know what to make of this. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>